Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Rated E for everyone, 10 and up. This episode is brought to you by DrawYourPicture.com, where you can get me to draw you just about anything. Check out what I've done for others. See what I can do for you at DrawYourPicture.com. Also by our patrons like Deborah Sims, Eli Schmeck, and Elizabeth Kruger, who support the show on a monthly basis. Join the club and get patron-only bonus stories, stickers, and more. Sign up today at patreon.com slash thatstoryshow. Well, howdy there. This is Stephen from Alabama. And contrary to popular belief, we do not all sound like that. (laughs) You're listening to That Story Show. Hey! This is That Story Show, people. Cooking pizza. I turned into a bat. I flew into this <laughs> I left her some guano. <laughs> hey, podcast people. This is That Story Show where we bring your real life stories into the spotlight. It is episode 412, brought to you the week of May 19th, 2022. I am your host. My name is James, and our good friend John is not here today. He has a real job, unlike me, and he is working with a graduation, trying to get some eighth graders graduated. But today I'm so excited. I'm so thrilled because we have an excellent guest host to fill his shoes. His name is Scott Dickers. Welcome to the show, Scott. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, James. Scott Dickers, you need to care about who he is because I care immensely. I don't know if you've ever heard of TheOnion.com, but it is the premier and probably one of the first and definitely the biggest uh, news parody websites in the world. And I love it. I've, I've followed it for years and I love what you do. Um, Scott Dickers performs. He writes. He animates the new weekly television show. Scott Dickers around available ad free wherever you get podcasts. His uh, career in comedy began uh, with a syndicated comic strip called Jim's Journal, which led to a New York Times bestselling book collection. And after that, he founded the world's first humor website, as we've already mentioned, theonion.com. And he served as its owner and editor-in-chief on and off for much of the last 30 years. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, and if you're uh, listeners don't know The Onion, they might know Clickhole, which is an onion offshoot. Oh, yeah. And... If they don't know my comic strip, they will know Diary of a Wimpy Kid, which was influenced heavily by my comic strip. Awesome. Um, and it's why it's called Diary of a Wimpy Kid, not Greg's Journal oh. or Jeff's Journal, <laughs> because I had already used the name Jim's Journal. That's but awesome. it's great to be here and um, delighted to be on Discord with uh, people on the cutting edge of technology. Yes. <laughs> we uh we had some technical issues but they are all worked out we're thrilled to have you yeah we're good um scott you've won some awards haven't you the the peabody the yeah thurber prize for american humor dozens of webby awards i'm jelly i'm jealous yeah that thurber prize that's uh, it's a very august award and often they don't award people who do comedy until 
long after they're dead. So I feel pretty lucky that I got those yeah. while I was still living. Yeah, absolutely. It would, yeah. it would be a shame for anything else to go the other way around. So I'm glad you're yeah. alive, in other words. Thank you. Um, so uh, you were also voted uh, in the top 50 of the cyber elite alongside such figures as uh, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, and George Lucas. That's pretty dang impressive. That was a surreal experience to be listed on that list, yeah. And it was in the early days of the internet when, you know, I was—I guess I was an early pioneer because I had the world's first humor website. Yeah. And we had done a book deal, you know, we parlayed the Onion's success online into a big book deal and got a lot of attention for that. And yeah, Time Magazine called up and was like, we want to put you on this list. Those lists are so arbitrary. You know, they always come out with a list of like the 50, you know, hot people in politics or the, the 50 under 50 or you know what i mean they do all these lists and it's so arbitrary they're just like picking the person oh i, I heard that person's hot let's put put them on you right know? right so there's no there's no mathematics there's there's no panel of experts that decide it's all very whimsical yeah but it's still darn impressive well it's yeah it's a delight to be on the list so when i went out to skywalker ranch and um you know, you eat in this little cafeteria and George Lucas is at the table next to you. Oh. I really I really wanted to go over to him and say, hey, we're, we're on the same list. <laughs> uh, but but everybody said, no, no, you, you don't talk to George. Don't talk to George. At, at Skywalker. Ranch. I know that. And I've never leave met him. Leave him be. Yeah. <laughs> you just leave him be. I don't even think George's you know, family talks to George. I just. No. He just that big double chin just sits there and says, don't talk to me. It's, it's, He's secluded in in some kind of two billion dollar uh, gold cylinder. <laughs> He's doing something with that money, and it's not yeah. and it's not family friendly. I guarantee you. So anyway, good possibility. <laughs> so you also share uh, your humor writing secrets with the best selling How to Write Funny book series. I saw that on your website. Um, that's impressive. Too. Yeah, when I, I left The Onion a few years ago, I decided I was just going to write down everything I knew about how to create comedy. Because at The Onion, we had done everything. We had done print and web you know, article writing. We had done a radio show for many years. We did TV pilots. We made a movie. And I'd worked with so many people in comedy, and I just feel, felt like I knew how to do this. Because The Onion, you know, like writing prose humor is difficult because you don't know what the audience is thinking you, you can't gauge their laughter and adjust what you do. You have to like put it in these strange black and white symbols and then put it out in front of them. And you have no idea whether they're liking it or getting it. Right. And so it's a real craft and we, we learned it over many years, like trial and error. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to put it all in a book and tell people how to do it because no one had ever done that for me. Like I, I would have killed to get my hands on a book that told you how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how do you write a joke? How do you compose a joke? How do you make a story funny? And how do you make it funnier? You know, how do you punch it up? And all people who do comedy professionally, they know all these tricks, but they don't tell. Like, it's not like magicians. And that's the old saying, a magician doesn't tell his, doesn't reveal his tricks. So not true. You can buy a magic kit at exactly. any corner of a magic store. Yep. But it's the comedians who don't sell their tricks. Mm. Like they will never tell you how it's done. So I just wanted to demystify that. And that book led to online courses where I, I help people. You know, a lot of them are like professional comedians and comedy writers who just want to like raise their game and stuff like that. But a lot of them are people 
we're just interested in wanting to be funnier, you know? So it's a fun group. It's a really great experience. Well, sort of I, becoming, becoming this little like comedy teacher. I know I'm going to check it out because I just started my uh, foray into stand-up comedy just oh, last month. I did my Wonderful. first open mic night. And Great. as you probably know, if you've ever done such a thing, or it is, it is the hardest thing in the world to do for the first time. It's uh, yeah, but uh, and I'm sure <laughs> I bombed more than, but I got some laughs. I Great. learned a lot. And, yeah. uh, and I would love to learn more. So I'm looking forward to that. You're also a voice actor. Yeah. I have done a good amount of that over the years, but about the, the standup. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found, so I went into stand up really late after I did, had a long career writing comedy and doing voice work and kind of being behind the scenes. And I, I'm sure you found this being on stage, but the writing and the jokes is like a small percentage of what you're doing up there. It's like you're battling so many right. psychological hurdles just to stand up there and be confident and cool and collected and be able to deliver your material. And I never had to deal with that in writing. You're alone in front of a computer. Right. You know, it's just a totally different comedy muscle yeah. to do stand up. And you're right, it's very difficult. You know, I could I had given given speeches before that, and that's pretty easy. But when you're expected to go up there and be funny, like that's the expectation, just a different level. Yeah. You know. So I'm glad you got to experience that. I hope you'll do more of it. It's it's. Uh, I think it's like one of the most like beneficial things to do as as either a hobby or just as a a sideline because it gives you such confidence. It makes you comfortable in your own skin. I think all of us. Correct me if you think I'm wrong here. I think all of us pretty much walk through life assuming that we're frauds and that everyone thinks we're, we're mm. terrible. Mm. And everybody's crippled by that anxiety. And getting up there and doing stand-up combats that just a little bit. Every time you go up, you feel a little bit more confident yeah. in just being yourself. I know podcasting and, has done that for me. And you're right. The feedback, the live feedback from the audience is so yeah. addictive and so great. Uh, like I said, I've done this for 16 years and you put the content out there, but you never hear the laughs. You're not, right. you're not, you're not sure. there when they listen, you know? Yeah. And so you, yeah. you, you, re, you reply, you, you, uh, depend on feedback and, and emails, which are few and far between and yeah, yeah getting up there live. It's, it's a whole different ball game, but it's, it's so rewarding in a way, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the big crucible. It's kind of the whole crucible of, of the comedy business in my opinion well before and we I, I recommend everybody do it because it, it oh, yeah. improves all your other skills jump up there and get get going guys find an open mic in your area i guarantee you there there is Absolutely. one um, do it while you're young too that's really a good idea before we get into the show proper i do want to mention your book uh your latest book the joke at the end of the world tell me a little bit about that yeah so that's my first novel mm. and it was a lot of fun nice uh, it's, it's about, about a kid who travels from the year 1950 uh, into the year 2021. Oh, that's 2020, awesome. I'm sorry. That's great. And, um, yeah, it's got a lot of twists and turns and a lot of unexpected uh, surprises and uh, just a lot, of, a lot of fun. I wrote it from the perspective of the 12-year-old kid who, who travels through time, so... I take the, I, I got the dates wrong. It's fifty-seven, I believe. Fifty-seven, mm. not fifty. Um, but anyway, he's from the nineteen fifties. He comes to twenty twenty, and it, as far as he's concerned, it's like the world's ending. Yeah, like what's happened? 
it's a total mess. Oh, and, you know, the, the world's on fire and uh, there's riots in the street and there's a pandemic. And so it's not at all the future that he expected from the 1950s. It was like, you know, the astounding robots of the future. Right. You right. Know, will serve humanity's every need. Humans will no longer need to work. You know, the whole <laughs> the whole uh, idealized version of the future. That's so, yeah, fun. that was a fun book to write. And then I, I had a, such a great experience doing the audiobook because I found this wonderful 12-year-old actor named Huxley Westmeyer to read it. And that was such a great experience working oh, with him. Oh, that's nice. That is great. Oh, it was wonderful, yeah. So that's available on job. Amazon and Audible, I would imagine? Yep. Awesome. Sure is. All right, check it out, guys. It's called The Joke at the End of the World by Scott Dickers. So... We always start with an opening story, and today is no different. Today is called, uh, it's called Evil Stop Sign. Hello, Fat Story Show podcasters and listeners. I've recently started listening to the show at work after finding the podcast's name on a post-it note. I guess I heard the name somewhere, wrote it down, and forgot about it. <laughs> you know, anyway, uh, here's my story from freshman year of college back in 2014. First, some context. I played trombone on my college's marching band. For all my years there, before every home game, the band marches from the music building a mile down the road to the stadium. Goodness gracious. It's not just marching either. We dance. <laughs> we dance down the road and then back and we slap every stop sign that we pass. Okay. And you know, it's college kids, I guess. I was a few home games in when I got my first time on the stop sign side of the marching block. This first sign was about shoulder, shoulder level to most people. That one I slapped no problem like everyone else. Uh, that's one of the two good stop signs. The third one was the best. It was a taller one, and uh, I didn't have to get airborne to slap it. The second one on the route was between six and a half to eight feet off the ground above my head, along with the heads of most people in the band. Still, nothing a good exaggerated jump and a Superman slap couldn't achieve. I leapt. I smacked the sign with all my might, and my right foot came down right on the curb. At first, I thought it wasn't too bad. I've twisted ankles plenty of times and walked it off no problem. I passed the sidewalk on the other side of the street, but the pain hadn't gone away. Okay, it was just taking a while, but why was it getting worse? It was fine. I could keep marching and dancing. I'd be fine. About 100 feet past the stop sign, I was fighting back tears, making matters worse. <laughs> it's the bones run out of the block and past one of the dining centers along the route. I joined them much slower, trying to match the speed of their enthusiasm. I don't know what I look like, but I wasn't happy. Back then, I had the mentality of stay in the form. The form was more valuable than your life, so I kept at it. Even when we marched past my residence hall, at that point, we were only halfway to the stadium. Less than that, because the band marches and plays all the tailgating lots as well. Goodness gracious, this poor guy. And that's when I couldn't fight back through the tears. But gosh dang it, I was still part of the band and in form. I'd play as much as uh, I'd, I'd play as much as fire as the fire in my foot would allow. Once that was finally done, I limped over to the director and he gave me a disbelieving look and offered to have someone take me back to my dorm. I wasn't already there, and I didn't want to put any more weight on my foot at the moment. I decided to stay. So one of the assistant directors helped me up to the stands, and while I sat there in the, with an ice pack on my elevated foot, I watched my band down on the field without me, and that was the first time I was at a football game and not on the field for a pregame at halftime. 
during the game itself, I somehow had a, a line sight right down to the main drum major podium back in the stadium. Got It got jet engine loud when our team was on defense, and I added to the noise by screaming things along the lines of, I'm in pain, and my foot's on fire. Hey, sometimes you just got to laugh your way through it. Yet, after another glorious curb stomp of the game, a bunch of other band members stayed behind to help me back to my dorm. Eventually, stadium security kicked us out of the building. Outside security wouldn't let someone's dad in with a truck to pick me up. You really see me not limping, unable to put le- uh, weight on my leg? My few friends had to help me out of the mini corridor to a waiting truck. I eventually got back to my room with their help. The next day, I was able to borrow the director's crutches. I don't know why he had them. The following Monday, I made it to the on-campus clinic. The diagnosis, torn muscle fibers. Yum. Nothing like an ACL tear, but something I couldn't put any weight on. I didn't, and I shouldn't have been dancing, jumping, and all that other fun stuff on the way to tailgating. That probably made it worse. I was on crutches for a week and a boot for a week, and uh, after that, I didn't miss any games, but I was able to learn the Veterans Day show in one day and marched on said boot. Thank you, you evil stop sign. I made sure it knew what I thought about it every game after that by screaming, evil, evil, stop, sign is evil. On the other side, that stop sign took a few other victims in my time, including cutting open someone's arm a few years later. We couldn't slap any signs after that. The one side had to ruin the fun for everyone. The moral of the story, if you're injured, just get out of the form. Get out of form. I hope this makes it on the show. Brandon Anderson. All right. Excellent. I don't know about you, uh, Scott, but I was in band um, in high school. Yeah, me too. Let me try to guess. I used to be really good at guessing what instrument people played. I'm guessing that you played either i was skinny back then so um oh that helps me to know yeah. how you looked you played the saxophone oh i had friends in the saxophone section but i was third chair trumpet oh i was trumpet as well yeah yeah i don't know what uh when what years that was but were you into maynard ferguson chuck mangione some of those guys i'm sure i was back then i i was into it mostly for the ladies i'll be honest uh you know, I don't think, uh, I think band was a lady repellent <laughs> when I was in band. <laughs> no, with all the flutes and clarinets and the, and the marching, uh, the, the flag corps and the major. Well, they all, they all wanted the drummers. That's they didn't want the true. trumpet player. That they didn't want so the nerds true. who played the trumpet. Especially the guy on the quads. He was the coolest drummer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was my brother to make things even more embarrassing. Oh no, that is so, yeah, terrible. He got he got all the girls in the band, and I did not. <laughs> well, now it's time for <laughs> us to rewind the week. Let's do that. All right. So if you're new with us today, rewinding the week is when we take a story from the last few days or so, and I want to share a little frustration because today we do have an LBB. One of the many tools of the devil. And the LBB for our guest is a living, breathing butthead. Someone that exists just to be a rear end. We all know someone like that. We've all met someone like that. Today, it was my electricity. Because this is Saturday. And we started this interview on Thursday night at 5 p.m. Central. And right in the middle of the first story, the lights go out. And uh, we had storms here, and a tree went down, 
and took down the power lines and uh it was it was awful i sat here in the dark hopeful as the lights would flicker on and off uh hoping that they would stay on but no it was a good two to three hours uh before the lights went on we were so hungry we got in the car and we drove until we started seeing lights again and we stopped at a panera or as we call them here in st louis breadco so uh that's my weekly update it's nothing great it's just it feels better to get it out and if you're watching us on video <laughs> we're wearing different clothes <laughs> so yeah well james i my end of that was i have been sitting here for 48 hours no! waiting to be reconnected <laughs> i just took a two minute break to change my shirt yeah yeah sure you did <laughs> That would be classic. You did wait a good long while for us, though, and I we were all very concerned for you. Yeah. And, you know, you never know. Sometimes these things clear up instantly. Yes. Well, we we had reports of tornadoes right before the show started, and so everybody on Twitch thought that my house had blown down. So it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Well, thank goodness you don't live in a cardboard trailer. Yes. Not anymore. <laughs> I did once. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a good story about that, but. Anyway, uh, so what about you? What's going on in your world? Well, quite a bit, actually. I I do so much. I'm so busy. Like, it's even hard to comprehend everything I do. So I, I run this online training center for comedians and comedy writers. Mm -hmm. And so I'm constantly having, like, online meetings with them. So we have these group meetings where we review work and kind of running that business. And then... I also just started a, a new podcast. I've had one podcast for many years called How to Write Funny, where I interview people in the comedy business, both uh, in front of the camera, behind the scenes, big stars to people you've never heard of, just to talk about how they do what they do and kind of try to crack the code of comedy because I'm really interested in that. But I left The Onion a few years ago, and I have not been, well, I've done a few projects, like comedy projects. I've done a couple of books did a novel and but I missed like the weekly grind mm. so I signed up to do a podcast that's called Scott Dickers Around where for like 10 to 20 minutes every week I just try to be funny on camera and there's no audience so it's really like exposing myself I'm really it's like me in front of a mirror when I'm a kid right and it's super fun and it's super challenging and I'm in production on a show right now. I just took a quick break to talk to you again. And so that's kind of, that's been a really fun thing that's overtaken my life. It's a great thing to do when you're like 17. So I'm a little late to the party starting up something like this. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm nearly 60, but it's super fun. And it's sort of like my little happy place, you know, to just be goofing around, doing silly voices, doing impressions, doing satire and just trying to be silly so it's a lot of fun and where can folks find that scott dickers around is to be found on video wherever you get pot i guess apple is the only podcast platform that does video video but podcast. it's also on youtube okay and you can get the audio version if if you can't see or if you don't want to see then the audio version is around but you miss the animation i do little animated skits and stuff oh so yeah just uh trying to have some fun and Really, really enjoying the process. Sounds awesome. And I'm going to, going to PodFest this week to talk to other podcasters 
I don't know if you've heard about that or if you're going or in Florida, in Orlando, in Orlando. Yeah. Well, yeah. I will shake your hand then, Dad Gummit, because I'm going. Oh, see you there. That's wonderful. Holy yeah. crap! I'm supposed to be the closing keynote of the uh, conference. Okay. So, and I'm going to sit on a panel, and yeah, just going to be hanging out as as much as I can. I'm excited to go. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Are, you, are, are you on the Hoover app that they have there? I've never heard of the Hoover. Oh. I'm still behind on the technology. I, again, I'm an old man, so t- help me out. What well, is this? Hoover, Hoover is an app for conventions where uh, it, it's like a micro Facebook where it's just with the people that are at the convention. And I've been able to create virtual meetups and stuff with folks. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. So uh, ask your uh, your coordinators, the folks that you're communicating with, about uh, possibly getting on there. You and I could I connect and find a way just to meet in the hallway and shake hands or go to lunch or whatever, you know? It'd be great. That would be delightful. Yeah, we should do that. I'll, I'll look up Hoover, H-O-O-V-A. I think so. Let me look it okay. up here on my phone. H W H O V A. So spells just like it sounds. Yeah, there we go. All right, let's, uh, yeah, no problem. Let's move into some reviews. We haven't done these in a while. Mypodcastreviews.com is a great place to go to get uh, all of your podcast reviews, not just the ones from America, but the ones from Canada, for the ones from uh, New Zealand, the ones from Australia, the ones from all over the world. Uh, And it's it's great if you're a podcaster. Today, uh, we have one from Van Von Hiesel. He says, I was listening to the episode Bad Butts, uh, which is about cigarette butts, uh, it made me laugh so much and wince about a million times I had to consistently be rubbing my leg, okay? I don't know why, but um, whatever whatever makes you happy while you're listening, you, you just do that. Anyway, I love the podcast. Keep up the good work, Van Von Hazel. We appreciate it, and we love your reviews. So please jump on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen and review that story show. We have a couple of announcements. The main one is that our NarthexCon is coming up June 11, 2022 in St. Louis, Missouri, right here at uh, Benton Park Cafe. The deadline is coming soon. Matter of fact, the deadline is at the very end of this month, uh, May 31st. So if you would like to sign up, it is free to attend. T-shirts are $20. If you want a T-shirt, registration is open all the time until the 31st at NarthexCon.com. That's NarthexCon, N-A-R-T-H-E-X, the con.com. And we would love to see all of you there. And we're excited. We're filling up quick. So get your registration in now. All right. It's time for us to hear a featured story. All right, Scott, we, we, we're going to put the uh, screws to you here and uh, see, see what kind of story you got for us today. So I was in the seventh grade and I wore a striped shirt. I wore the same striped shirt every day oh. because I was very insecure. I was very shy and I was scared that if I wore a different shirt, people would laugh at me or they would notice me. Like I didn't want to be noticed. I wanted to blend in. Mm. I wanted to be a total chameleon. That was one of my defense strategies. And one day, my favorite red and white striped shirt was in the wash when I had to go to school. So I had worn this shirt every day for months at school. And my mom set out like this orange shirt and these 
brown pants. It was a totally different outfit, and I was just mortified. What was going to happen? Everybody was going to laugh at me. I was going to be, you know, the the teacher was going to point it out and mock me. Like, I was just horrified. Walked to school in this strange outfit. Didn't feel like myself at all. And I get to school, and what happens is the teacher marks me absent. Oh, no. <laughs> she didn't recognize you? She couldn't find me in the group. <laughs> That's true. Looking, looking for red stripe shirt guy. Right. <laughs> so maybe I've, I've grown since then, but I'm obviously still wearing striped shirts. Yeah. Um, and But we now know that I'm wearing a different shirt every day because on the first half of this podcast, I think I was wearing a different shirt. Yes. <laughs> that's excellent well thank you so much for sharing yeah our, our audience loves embarrassing stories and that that was that was pretty embarrassing that's pretty bad there wow wow yeah i um i have a similar story my mother used to love to go to uh garage sales when we were growing up she was a single parent she's doing the best she could but you know doesn't mean i had to love it she got me a snoopy shirt snoopy was a tie-dyed t-shirt and uh, Snoopy was riding a wave, and I, I thought I was too grown up. I was in third grade, Dad Gummit. I should not be wearing Snoopy clothing. And uh, I, I, I did everything I could to try to think of a way I was going to wear another shirt underneath. But it was it was tie dyed, but it was very light, and you could see underneath it. And I, I wore a heavy jacket all day long, zipped up to my neck, so that nobody could see this jacket. And when I got home, I forgot all about it. I took my jacket off. I go over to a friend's house and they're, they're like, oh man, that is an awesome shirt, dude. That is amazing. And I could have had that all day, but no, I was so sure that it was an embarrassing, horrible shirt. And, uh, it just goes to, goes to show you, you can't, you can't trust now, yourself. May I, may I, uh, follow up with another one? Yes. I received a Fonz t-shirt when I was in elementary school. Oh, wow. Uh, it had a drawing of the Fonz on it, and it said, A at the top. Yeah. It like this. Yeah. It's a very popular shirt in the, in the late 70s. And I was so embarrassed by that shirt, I didn't wear it. And <laughs> I, I had this problem. It was a gift. My parents got it for me as a gift, either birthday or Christmas, I can't remember. I had this problem with gifts where I was so shy, and I was I was so socially anxious that I didn't even know how to communicate with people when they would give me gifts. Like, I think that that one traumatized me. But then at my next birthday or, or Christmas, I was given these pants that had shoelaces on the back pockets. I don't know if you remember those. You ever see those pants yeah. that have shoelaces and you're supposed to tie them? I thought those were the most humiliating, embarrassing <laughs> pants in the world. But I didn't know how to tell my parents that it was too mean to say, I hate these. They're terrible. Right. So I said, Thank you. You know, I, I like them. They're great. I never wore them, but I told them <laughs> I like them. So for the next birthday slash holiday, they gave me another pair because they thought I liked them. Oh, no. And I went up to my room and I cried. And oh. my mom came up and said, what's the matter? And I said, I hate them. I hate my I'm never going to wear them. <laughs> oh, my God. The things we go through. Yes. Yes, yes. And your parents are trying, you know, they don't They're know. They're trying their best. They have no idea. <laughs> you know, and the kids 
Kids don't communicate. They're not going to tell a parent no. what's really going on. It's like I work. <laughs> I've, I've got a 14-year-old and a 17-year-old at this point. They're both high schoolers as of yesterday. And I just worry. We've had such a great time, you know, growing up and, and, and parenting and, and kids and stuff. But I still worry. What are the stories they're going to tell on me, you know, when they get older? The stuff I don't even know I did, you know? Uh, the the presents I bought, the 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 things I did on vacation that embarrassed them. You know, I, I mean, there's just there's just no clue. There's no clue. I also have a 14 year old, and he's he's a very quiet person. So I'm sure there's a floodgate that's going <laughs> to open at some point, and we're going to get all the embarrassing details at some point in the future. <laughs> well, all I hope is that my kids have children like me. That way. <laughs> they can they can learn to love them more because they loved me when they were little. I was the greatest dad in the world, man. But now I'm I'm embarrassing. I'm horribly embarrassing. That's so. tough for a lot of parents to make that transition from being worshipped to being a living embarrassment. Yes, it is tough. It is tough, but we get there. They they used to would come on my show, and uh, nowadays they're like, nope, 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 thanks. Not interested. Yeah, yeah we don't want our friends <laughs> to hear us talking to you. <laughs> All right, let's jump into our listener stories. All right, today, uh, this segment is brought to you by Projector at Productions Comedy Showcase. God made laughter, and he meant for us to enjoy it when we were laughing at clean humor, and there's no guilt when you're laughing at clean humor. It's like eating no fat, no sugar ice cream, only it's more natural and your hands don't get sticky. So when you're done listening to that story show, go check out the Protectorate Productions Comedy Showcase. It's in several podcast directories and also at bit.ly.com slash funny and clean. That's bit.ly.com slash funny and clean. You'll find funny sketches, stories, bloopers, and more. You'll even find a parody of a certain time-traveling sci-fi hero. That's Protectorate Productions Comedy Showcase. Ask for it by name. All right. Our first story is from Josiah McCarthy. It's called Paralyzed with Fear. Hey, James and John. Well, John's not here, but, you know, Scott is, so he'll he'll fill in for you. This is uh, Sucker for Jesus in the Discord. I love your podcast, and I want to send in a story. Last year at Boy Scout camp, I was in woodworking, and we were just carving wood and talking. And I was talking to this one boy, and I said to him, last time I went to Boy Scout camp, I was sitting cross-legged while playing Mafia, and when I got up, my right leg felt numb from the knee down. And I continued to talk about how that felt and how weird feeling it was. And when I was done talking, he was looking at me weirdly and I didn't know why at first. And then I began to slowly realize that this was the kid whose legs were paralyzed. And I was talking to him about how weird it feels when you can't feel your legs. So I felt so bad that I turned into a bat and flew away. Okay. It's an inside joke here at nobody's listening or that story show. Thanks for reading my story on the show by Josiah McCarthy. Well, Josiah, <laughs> that's pretty embarrassing, man. I can't imagine. You gotta, gotta watch who you're talking to. This story is called the soggy chip, uh, by Jayla, uh, from sunset coast, Canada. Um, Hey, James and John, I have a story for you guys. Hope you enjoy it. One day at school, our class was eating lunch. I walked over to my friend's desk to see what she was up to, and I saw in her lunch she had one chip left. So I snatched it up, and I took a bite. And as I was chewing, I noticed the chip was soggy. And I told her that, hey, this, this chip is soggy. She looked up at me with a half smile. She says, that's because I was sucking on it, she said. 
God. I paused and I looked at her. And after a couple seconds passed, I took another bite and kept eating it. Okay. Hope this makes it on the show. Yeah, it did. Jayla from Sunside, Sunshine Coast, BC, Canada. Ah, uh, goodness gracious. Jayla, um, we, we have to call that one what it is, and it's a middle school story. Um, so. Uh, um, Dang it. Uh, move out of the way, stupid. Um, oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. Uh, Dane from North Carolina writes a story called We're Not Here. Greetings, James and John. My name is Dane. I'm a sixth grader from North Carolina. I have a story that's for you that I think is pretty funny, but it's kind of short. Hopefully my writing satisfies you. Well, we'll see. We'll see. One day in elementary school a few years ago, we were in gym class. We had a substitute that day, and we were lining up to leave. And our substitute tells us that she wants everyone to be quiet. So our teacher doesn't even know that we are here when she comes to pick us up. Okay. So our teacher arrives and enters the gym. And one quick kid exclaimed very loudly, we're not in here. And my class included me finds this very hilarious. And we all laugh. I being the next to him in line, I have the privilege of hearing him whisper after that. We're so good at this. I crack up because he's the one who made us, in fact, very bad at it. We all stop laughing and we go back to class for our next subject, but I still haven't forgotten a kid yelling that we were not there when obviously we were. Thanks for reading this. Hope it makes it on the show. Uh, Dane from North Carolina. So we have a, we have a bit of a, of a, of a tradition here. The, the kids like to write in stories. And when the kids write in stories, they always say, I hope it makes it on the show. And when they say, hope it makes it on the show, uh, we have to play the bell. So that's that's the story there uh so anyway this one is called homeschool nearly blinded me hello greetings from alabama uh i love your podcast it's hilarious and entertaining so this is a story of how i almost got blinded in one of my eyes it was 2020 when i was eight years old i was homeschooled because of covid Uh oh homeschool story so where does your son go to school All right, so I was living in a small two-story house. I had just finished my work for the day. It was around 8 o'clock p.m., my usual bedtime, and my parents asked me to turn off a light before I went to bed. So for you to understand this next part, we have a little area right next to the kitchen where there's a giant whiteboard we use for either doodling or setting up the schedule for the day. It's homeschool stuff. Normal people don't have whiteboards in their house so when i was turning around walking towards the light my parents told me to turn it off and as soon as i turned my head around i immediately smacked the edge of the metal part of the bottom of the whiteboard that is super sharp and i was bleeding i instantly ran faster than a flash to my parents bedroom screaming i hit the metal thing on the whiteboard and i was crying like there was no tomorrow i tell you i kept repeating the same words I don't want to go blind. I don't want to go blind as my parents clean the wound. Maybe two minutes or so after, I just wanted to call it a night, but oh, no, no. They insisted. They insisted we go to the ER and uh, I was faced with the fact that I might have to get stitches. I was screwed. I started to even cry more. And uh, that's how I'm pretty sure the oceans were made. So... All of us went to the car, listening to a couple of songs to cheer me up. But then we arrived, and I went inside, and my mom explained what had happened to the person at the front desk. And we went inside the doctor's office. He looked at the wound. I asked him, 
would I need to get stitches? And he said, no, thankfully, but instead he would glue it back together. So I asked him what kind of glue. He said hot glue as a joke, but I didn't know that it was a joke. I asked him how hot it was on the hot meter. And he responded with, he says four, it's a four. What is that supposed to mean? So he carefully glued it back together and somehow he managed to get some of the glue into the crevice of my eye. This was no trip to the ER. This was a torture device. I squirmed around in pain, trying not to cry because then it would go in the wound. So there was now a piece of glue in the corner of my eye. Just great. But the doctor explained that it would dry later and be able to peel off. Two years later, I still have a scar from it. Well, that's my story. And I really hope it makes it on the show. Leland Parker, Spanish Fort, Alabama. All right. Um, yeah, when I was a kid, I fell through the floor. I told you earlier that I was uh, raised in a trailer, a cardboard box, basically, with two-by-twos. Yeah. And, and um, the funny part was it was a double-wide trailer, which was uh, an 80s trailer, so it was fairly new. But my folks weren't very conventional, and uh, we needed more space, so they bought a single-wide trailer from the 60s with orange shag carpeting and you know that wonderful uh, faux wood paneling on the on the sides, and they pushed it up against the double wide trailer at the back, and then cut holes between them so we could walk between the the, the, the areas. And uh, they didn't think it all the way through because the first time it rained, boy, the rain came down in buckets between every open area and uh, flooded the uh the back room where i was living i i got the benefit of living in the 60s trailer and uh the floors is are they're made out of fiberboard i mean it's just it's sawdust and glue you know and and they melted and uh, one day i was walking through in the middle of the night and i fell i just went right through the floor and luckily i only fell about three and a half feet because <laughs> that's as far off of the ground as a trailer is but uh i had reached up and in my, uh, in, in, in just trying to, trying to catch myself and I caught my hand on the metal, uh, that they had cut through cause they had cut through right there at the back door and, uh, put a nice little scar on my finger to this day. You can still see it. And, uh, I ended up, uh, climbing up out of the hole. I just went to bed and the next morning they threw some, <laughs> they, they threw some plywood sheeting down on top of it which eventually got rained on and curled up and that was fun to walk over in bare feet but you know that's a story for another show <laughs> and you didn't have a band-aid or glue or anything for no that, no i just i i taped it i took tape and i just tightened it down um that's why you still have a scar probably yeah exactly um i, I was an artist even back then so i put paper around it and i drew the wound on top of the paper so that I could explain to people when I got to school, what was going on underneath all this wrapping of tape. Uh, so I didn't, that's very to, creative. I didn't have to unwrap it and show everybody. I was like, here it is right yeah. here in pen and ink. So I went to a, a showing of the diary of a wimpy kid musical at the children's theater the other night, the star of it who plays uh, Greg Heffley is named Huxley Westmeyer. He, he did the voice for my audiobook that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really great, fun show, but, and it was really elaborate with a lot of, like, like songs and amazing sets and everything. And there was a hole in the middle of the stage, 
and there's a bunch of middle schoolers on the stage, you know, performing these parts. And during one of the little set pieces, a girl fell in the hole. Oh the hole no! Wide open. Oh no! And they had to they had to stop the show. Oh! The director called out and said, um, "You know, we're st- we're stopping. We're stopping. <laughs> we're stopping." <laughs> and the audience sat there for a half an hour, not knowing if she was hurt, what's going on. Oh goodness! And then eventually they made an announcement and said she's okay and everybody applauded <laughs> and then huxley came back out it was a part of the play where it was just him on the stage alone and he came out he stood there the spotlight was on him and the director said hold hold please oh man so huxley you know he's like 14 year old kid he's standing there on the stage lights on him and he's not saying anything. He's just sort of smiling, like looking at the audience. It was a really funny moment with every, with the audience and him. Just like a little moment of silence. And then finally she says, okay, Huxley, go ahead. And he starts his, his lines and he goes, snaps right into character. And then he does the next song. And then we see the girl come back out again a little later in a different part. You know, so everybody knew she was okay. But it was a deep hole. Like it was one of wow. those holes on the stage where props or parts right. of the set would pop up, you know? Right. And it was pretty scary. That is terrible. Oh, yeah. that is the worst. Yeah. Luckily my fall, like I said, was only about three and a half feet. I could, my head was still in the house, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, she, she went down a few feet. It was like, oh, uh, man. she clung to the side of it for a second and then disappeared. Oh, you know? bless her heart. Bless her heart. <laughs> well, we've got one more story I'd like to share and then we'll close out our show. Hi, James and John. This is from Bobby Anderson, by the way. My name is Bobby, and I'm nine. And uh, this is my story about the time I got pinned by a chicken. Oh, gosh, I hate chickens. I hate them. They're uh, mean. They they can be, especially those roosters, man. They we 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 raised chickens when I was a kid, and uh, so did I. My, They're so mean to each other. Yes, yes. The yeah. pecking order is a real thing, and really? the rooster was always after me. And my mom would always say, "Don't you hurt my chicken? Don't you hurt my my rooster? I mean, don't you hurt him?" And I swung a bucket at him one time and knocked his butt out. And he was, I thought I'd killed him. And I was so afraid to go in the house. Uh, but he got up and started walking around like a drunk man. But <laughs> saved my own butt that time. <laughs> my mom, though, eventually got attacked by him. And she went and got a shotgun the first time. I'd been attacked by him for months. But she gets attacked by him one time. She went out and shot him. <laughs> it's so terrible. <laughs> But anyway, um, all my listeners have heard that story before. So uh, anyway, to eat the rooster. No, no. I had to dig a hole and the stupid thing was still walking around, even though it was dead and it walked itself into the hole (laughs) 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 and we just buried it. And I was traumatized for life, you know, and you either laugh at it or go crazy. So I laugh at it, you know? Yeah, that's brutal. (laughs) Anyway, so this is a story about the time I got pinned by a chicken. About two years ago, I was scaring chickens at my sister's horseback riding lessons. That's not smart. And I was scaring chickens for fun. But the last chicken, instead of running away, it lunged at me. There you go. You got the, the boss chicken right there. The hen that won't that, that, that nobody else picks on. Uh, I froze there in shock as it stared at me for several moments. And after that, I... Uh, I, I carefully shouted for my mom, 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 she came over and brought me away from the chicken. And ever since I got scared by the chicken. So now I'm scared of chickens and I leave them alone. Hope it makes it on the show. Bobby Anderson. 
Guys and girls, thank you so much for listening. We know you have funny life stories. Uh, we just want to hear them. So whatever your story is, send your stories, email or audio to thatstoryshow at gmail.com. Thatstoryshow.com is the website. Review the show at review.nlcast.com. And thanks to our patrons for your support. With special thanks to our producers, James Spangler, Jennifer Kennison, Eric Kube, Carrie Wright, and Christopher Tynan. Support the work we do and get more from your favorite podcast today at patreon.com slash that story show. And remember when something weird, annoying, embarrassing, or painful happens to you, don't get stressed, don't get depressed. Just think, hey, this belongs on that story show. We'll see you guys next week. Scott, I'd like to thank you for joining us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Tell the folks where they can find your podcast again. Yeah, it's called Scott Dickers Around. It's a lot of goofiness and fun and games and jokes and cartoons and funny voices and you can find it wherever you find your podcast scott dickers two k's no c scott dickers around all right thank you so much we appreciate it guys and girls you're amazing we love you and we'll see you next week same bat time same bat channel talk to you later goodbye If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.